Welcome to the Biz and Life Done Well podcast, where we explore what it means and what it takes to do business and life well. I'm your host, Peter Wilson. If you're like me, you're intrigued by stories of common people who have achieved uncommon success in business and life. Join me as I interview fascinating people about how they got started, their successes and failures, their habits and routines, and what inspires them. I'm with Paul Lee today. He's our SEO expert, and he is really adept at blog writing for SEO. He sat down and put together a blog writing guide for SEO search engine optimization. So I'd like to uh, kind of cover the highlights of that with Paul today. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, Peter. It's so good to be here talking to you. So where do we begin? Uh, blog writing guide for SEO. If I'm writing a blog post, so let's just kind of back it up a little bit here. A blog post, I'm not going to let you answer your question. <laughs> lead the witness here. So blog post, that is a piece of content that you are going to put on your website, maybe put it on social media about some topic in order to rank on the search results of Google, hopefully, or help your website rank yes, well yes. in the search results. So yeah. So so what are the what are the elements that we want to talk about today? Well, the first thing I think would, would be to decide what kind of blog, what length, I guess, is the first place you want to talk about. I, I sort of classify into three different lengths, what I call a quick hitter, which is you know 300 to 500 words. Maybe you can write one of those once a week or something, or even more often than that, if you have, if you have the ability. It's a shorter post. It should never be shorter than 300 words. Any blog post, Google considers that what they call thin content. And that content is basically worthless to them. It's not going to rank. Anything that quick hitters, 300 to 500 words. You could have maybe more expanded post, which is like 700 to 1,000 words. You get to unpack the topic. You're able to discuss it more in full, more detail. And then you have what some people really go for, which are these things I call deep dives, where you have 2,000, 3,000, maybe up to 10,000 words that aim to be like this one complete resource on one particular topic. We are going to unpack, you know, if you are a, you know, talking about software, you're going to unpack everything about this particular program and you're going to lay it all out in one huge long blog. So, you know, those take obviously a lot more time, but all the principles that we're going to discuss today still apply to those as well. But the only thing that I would say is if you're going to do those deep dives, you can only do one per topic because if you try to do a second one, it'll compete with in, in Google right. for the rankings for that. And you don't right. want that. So give us an example of a deep dive topic that you've seen done. You often see this in comparison things. So, you know, comparing the top five dog toys that they found. So they want to look at look at the pros and the cons, of what, you know, the, the dog was the dog interested, but is it not? Right. Break it all down. Break it, you know, from an SEO standpoint, if I'm, a, I'm researching more about SEO, I want to know, you know, if somebody's got some resource that's, you know, uh, software or something that's out there, you know, all the positives and all the negatives about this particular experience that we've gotten. If you're a guitarist, if you want to, you want to see all the information that you could possibly glean about Eric Clapton's guitar rigs from the last, you know, 50 years of him playing guitar. Mm -hmm. There are posts out there that detail 
what amps he used in the 60s and what amps he used in the 70s and in the 80s and brings it all down. And so it comes this one, one gigantic resource on Eric Clapton's guitar tone that is out there. So for businesses, most of the time I, I discourage the deep dive because A, because it's so big that it becomes this thing that's unwieldy to write. And it takes a long time and a lot of research. And most people are not good. For your local chiropractor, you don't need a deep dive. You need a bunch of quick hitters that answer a bunch of the questions that people have about chiropractic. Is it going to hurt? Can I do it to myself? You know, why does it make that popping noise? I mean, all the just the different questions, you can break those down into smaller chunks and produce more on a more consistent basis. I think that's more valuable generally than the deep dive. The other possibility is if you write the deep dive and it doesn't rank, you've just wasted a whole bunch of resources. Not so good. So what's next? Well, the next thing is to talk about, and you kind of figure out what this topic that you want to write about, you've got to break it up into structure. You've got to structure it. So Google expects, and the reason, by the way, we say Google expects these things, Google expects them not because they're like some sort of dictatorship that wants things that, that are unreasonable. It expects these things because it thinks this is what makes articles more readable and more usable and more valuable to customers. So they expect that articles, good articles have structure. They have a title, obviously. They have a, you know intro paragraph, closing paragraph, all the stuff that your English teacher taught you to do back in high school. But you also need to break up the paragraphs with headings and subheadings and and you know the, the most important things should be in the headings and then and then the, the less slightly less important smaller things should be in the subheadings. All that stuff needs to be kind of broken up so that there's not this this pile of paragraphs. There's not these super long, you know, 15 sentence paragraphs. You need to break it up, put it into some structure. Bite and of course, chunks. The, yeah. yeah, not bite-sized chunks, exactly. Because you don't want to if you look at a page that's just dense with text, you're not going to read it. No. Most people don't. So they want no. they want to see it a little bit more bullet pointed. You know, maybe I don't get to the point where every paragraph is one sentence. Use that as sort of a literary device if you want to, but most of the time you're going to be two, three, four sentences, and then it's time to make another paragraph. Right. Keep it structured. Keep it structured. And have, like you said, have subheadings. And if you mm-hmm. use the correct uh, HTML for those, yes, you know. absolutely. You know, if we were to, to get nerdy for a second, you know that the title is the H1 tag. That is the heading one. Google expects hierarchical structure to the articles. If you yeah. don't have that then that's probably an indication that you need to go back to the editing process and say, does this, you know, how, how does this work? Is this, is this actually a workable article? Because if, if, if you don't, aren't able to break it up a little bit like that, and you're expecting people to read this huge treatise, you know, right. they're just not going to do it. Right. So it looks like the next thing you've got here is using the key phrase. So tell me yes. about that. So, I mean, obviously you're not writing this for the fun of it. You're writing this to rank. You're writing this to inform your customers, but also in that process to recruit new customers who are having the same question. So give us an example. So, okay. So say you're a dentist and you want to promote your business that you're doing in cosmetic dentistry. So you're wanting to write an article that in a blog article that, that will address maybe some of the questions that people have. A lot of people come with the same questions. So now you can, can kind of compile that into your article. Maybe we'll call it three questions you might have about cosmetic dentistry. So that includes that phrase, cosmetic dentistry. That's what you're trying to rank for. You want to include that same phrase in at least one of the subheadings. 
you know, say you've got kind of three, the three questions. Well, one of them needs to actually say cosmetic dentistry in that subheading. You should include the same phrase in the first paragraph and in the last paragraph. Now that's, so if you counted, that's three times at least in the actual article. If the piece is only 300 to 500 words, that's enough. Don't go more than that. Then it starts to sound silly and Google hates it. We all know it when people are stuffing keywords into a, to an article, Google does too. The AI is smart enough now to know when people are being unnatural. So if they're saying, if, you, if the paragraph says, we want to answer all the questions you have about cosmetic dentistry. Cosmetic dentistry is a specialty at the cosmetic dentistry site, uh, uh, site of Seattle. We uh, know that many people have cosmetic dentistry. You know, it's like that, that's just silly. You can't do that. Google will penalize you for that. Everything, everything that you've done, you know, all the work that you've done trying to put this article together will be of no value. So be natural about it. First paragraph, last paragraph, one subheading. If you're doing a longer piece, 700 you know, words or 500 words or more, you can start putting it in places that are natural. Again, it shouldn't look forced in there ever. You also want the same phrase to be in the title of the uh, title tag uh, that's used by HTML. So that's the thing that shows up in the little tab of your browser. Um, or if you bookmarked it, that's where it would show the name of the, of the page. You want to put it in the URL, the address of the page. So if you are localdentist.com slash three dash questions about cosmetic dentistry slash. You also want to put it in the description of the page. You want to, you want to keep using that. You can also use slight variations. So you don't have to say cosmetic dentistry. You can say you're looking for a cosmetic dentist. Google is smart enough to know plurals and things like that you know, swapping phrases around slightly, as long as the things are in close proximity, um, they have to be, you know, reasonable. Google will be able to understand that. So you need to use that phrase, use it, but don't abuse it. Mm -hmm. Got it. We've also got here a couple other points. It looks like you've got locality. Obviously, I'd say 90% of our folks that we work with are local businesses, and so they want to show up locally in the search ranking. So how does that factor in? So when you're talking about locality, I mean, some, one element you can't really control, it's the address of your business, you know, the actual location. Google does know that and Google uses that as part of their understanding of your location. But, you know, without, besides, you know, canceling your lease and, and moving to another building, you don't have a lot of options there. That is, it is where you're, you are. But in, inside your content, you can also draw connections between yourself and that address. So say you're a business in Mill Creek, you can talk about, you can obviously mention Mill Creek. You know, we are the, you know, this, the plumber in Mill Creek, Washington, but you can also do it by mentioning things like that you're at the intersection of this street and that street. Google knows where those places are. You can mention events or things that are happening in the calendar, local news, Google knows that that stuff is happening. So it just draws more connections. So you want to use those kinds of local references, but again, not abuse them. You want that to again, sound natural, but you want Google to know that you're connected and that you're relevant to the geographical area that uh, reinforces the locality of your search because that's ultimately what you want to do is you want to appeal to people who are close by to you, the people that are searching for things in your neighborhood or in your city, doing that by saying we're the Pacific Northwest cosmetic dentists, or we are cosmetic dentistry in the Seattle area. 
that gives Google that connection. It also gives your customers that connection. If you start abusing it, it'll sound ridiculous. And your customers will also think these people sound ridiculous. So don't abuse it. And lastly here, we've got, I think, probably one of the most, arguably one of the more important pieces of the whole equation is your writing style. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, this is the part that gets into a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of actually, you know, for the English majors out there or uh, the people that wrote lots of papers, you know, back in high school and college, it gets to, you know, the, the way that you write and analyzing that a little bit, which sometimes we're, we're reluctant to do. We don't want to, we, we write it and, and there it is, you know, but it's, it's, it's about going back and editing and making sure and tightening things up because Google rewards a particular style of writing. They want zippy, active, very easy to read text. They value readability really over anything else. So, you know, I, I joke around that Ernest Hemingway would be the best SEO copywriter of all time. There's never a wasted word. The dude, you know, he, he, he had it as far as exactly how to boil down to the essence of what he was talking about. Now, that makes it sound like you can't have your own personality a little bit. You have to write to Google and you do to a certain extent, but you can have your personality, but you just have to have it within this kind of structure. So, so to get into some of the nuts and bolts of it, using the active voice is very important. So uh, passive voice, in, in, in English, you can have passive voice and you can have active voice. Passive voice would be to say something like passive voice was used. It just happened. Active voice is he used passive voice. So he did something. That's active writing. And as you look at paragraphs or articles that have too much passive voice, it just feels very limp. It feels like stuff is just happening, but nobody's actually doing it. So one good guideline is that you shouldn't have any more than 10% of your sentences be in the passive voice. The another one is to keep the sentences short. Ideally, 25% of your sentences should be longer than 20 words. That's a difficult one for me. My particular writing style, I love the run-on sentence. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Left to my own devices, I would probably create too much, much, much too long sentences. But I have to let me let me let me stop you there and put a period there. Hang on, exactly, exactly, because I write how I speak, which is one long sentence. So keeping your sentences short, boiling down and and disconnecting these long semicolon slash you know colon slash land you know m dash and all that stuff. Just bring it down, break it down. Put it into bullet points, maybe even if if you have to make them shorter. And then connected with that, we talked about subheadings and structure. You shouldn't have more than three hundred words between any two particular subheadings. So if you have three hundred words, you basically create another art article going on in there. And so you need to break those things up. One of the ones that I love is using transition words. You need to be using transition words to connect the one sentence to the other. It helps the reader to understand. You know, I said this. Now, because of that, this thing happens. Mm. Now, when I say because, or however, or as a result, or moreover, or in other words, or therefore, all that stuff, it makes the reader connect this next sentence to the ones that have come before it. Mm. And then you realize that actually really helps comprehension. It really helps people understand you know, how all of these elements of this article that I've just read are connected to each other. And yeah. that's what Google's after, right? is understanding. The last one is related to that. I would, I would say use simple, short words. Some people love to you know, have, have huge vocabularies and love to show it off. Google's not interested. You're not flexing on Google to be like, you know, look at me. I know seven syllable words. 
I would put one tiny copy out there. If your particular audience expects that language, you know, if you're talking to college professors, you could probably get away with it. Yeah, absolutely. Or if you're, or if your business relies on words like that. Yeah. So for instance, doing SEO for a company that does clinical trials for new, new pharmaceutical drugs, they're going to have long words. Yes. They're just going to. And so, you know, some of that can be, obviously all these things are to quote Pirates of the Caribbean, they're all guidelines. They're not, they're not rules, but they help us kind of put the, you know, the guardrails on so that we don't just go crashing off a cliff with our writing. We need to have this writing that is zippy, active, very readable. And I, I know as a writer, to me, it sounds a little bit like, you know, I'm, I'm being asked to write sort of blunt, simplistic, maybe even dumb stuff. But the fact of the matter is what I really want is to be understood. So, mm-hmm. you know, I say it's not, it's not literature, it's SEO. Like, you know, if you want to, if you want to write your fiction, you know, your interpretive poetry, go for it. Fantastic. I would love to read it. But for SEO, as far as what we're talking about for blog articles, these things need to be understood. And so write for understanding. Great point. Well, one of the things that we'd like to offer you all who are listening is a copy of Paul's blog writing guide for SEO. So we've uh, turned that into a, uh, a PDF and it's available as a download. And it's uh, if you go to our resources page on our website, you'll see there's a link at the top of our menu on our website that's called resources. And uh, one of the items there is um, blog writing guide. So if you'll click on that page, you will be able to download Paul's definitive guide to writing for SEO. Paul, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, other than to say, I encourage everybody to be writing for this stuff. And if you do have struggles, you know, you you don't, this is all for you to write. But if you need help with writing, if you need help with somebody creating your content for you, even for specialized businesses, that is possible. So contact us. We are able to create content for you that matches all these criteria, that focuses on the keywords that you want to rank for, and that are important to you and to your customers. There is help for this. If this is beyond like something, you, you know, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to write these myself. I want somebody to write them for me. That can be done. Good to know. Well, thanks, Paul. Thanks for uh, Thank you, Peter. today and mm-hmm. uh, look forward to chatting with you again real soon. Yeah, let's do it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Biz and Life Done Well with Peter Wilson. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and most of the other popular podcast platforms. Please tell your friends about us and leave us a review so even more people will find out about us. Thanks again. We'll see you soon.